Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. So, here we go. We're rolling. And we're here with James Pierre. Did I say that right, James? You did, yeah. Oh, oui, très bien. But you're not <laughs> French at all, are you? You're in Eastern America. No, I'm not French at all. There's, although my family is like the UN, I'm sure, Ooh. I'm sure some French somewhere. I'm not though. Uh, my, I grew up American. My parents are American, but our, our backgrounds, you know, uh, through genealogy, uh, my father's side of the family is completely Italian. And my mother's side of the family is very Eastern European. It was a very small group of people from the Adriatic uh, Dalmatia called Vlach or Aromani. Most people, I, I know there's a big community up in Canada, but there's, there's not many left or there's not many around. And most people don't even identify it, wow. identify themselves by that. They identify themselves by whatever country they're living in. But uh, yeah, that's me. That's interesting. The Adriatic, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what generation are you American? Or have you guys been here a long time? Let's see. My great grandparents, grandparents, parents, third, fourth generation. Third. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. all came. Both sides of the family came very late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. 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 That's similar, similar to, to me. I know there's a lot of people. Um, one side of my mom, my mom's family used to joke about coming over on the mayflower <laughs> which was which is sort of like you know it's a joke right but then then someone uh one of the scholars in the family looked up and found out there was like 24 people with her last name on one of those boats wow so it's like the, yeah it's like oh there was a there was a ton of mortons and uh <laughs> so you know maybe maybe but most of my family came over like the last 100 years i think my my great grandfather from dublin in 1915 right before the easter rising smart timing to oh. leave dublin right yeah 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 well, i know, you know a hmm? lot of americans don't know that like what was happening in a lot of places in europe between the end of the 1800s and till 1915 16 17 that the the nations and the countries were taking form that we recognize them as now, but back then, 
it was it was very different geography yeah um just even like the the history around how the holy roman empire shifted and stuff but you're talking more recent than that even aren't you you're talking about oh yeah leading yeah, up no, to the great like, war and, yeah like uh, before the first world war yeah and leading up to all of that and why that even happened was because of the uh massive change in borders and government and uh everything it just everything had changed it seemed like overnight for those people living at that time uh, maybe kind of like what we're experiencing now again yeah well how would you how would you compare that to what's going on now i mean there's some shifting of borders a little bit but not too much unless you're gonna you're gonna take over uh, ontario and uh, alberta <laughs> which is fine we're fine with that yeah. <laughs> no i think you guys are doing all right all of a sudden uh you we'll know, trade you ontario and alberta for washington and part of oregon can i say part of <laughs> we'll take montana montana's beautiful i love montana <laughs> that is a beautiful state but it well, you know, comparing apples and oranges, I grew up in a little <coughs> city called Hoboken, New Jersey, and we're oh, right no, on the river. Yeah. And, you know, New York City was my backyard my whole life. And, well, my front yard, if you want to look at it that way. And I remember being a little kid and we'd walk along the river and I would ask my grandmother, you know, what did it look like? to look at New York City before the Empire State Building was built. And she said, well, you know, by the time she was born, they were already building it, she said, but I do remember when the skyline didn't have as many tall buildings as it had, you know, at the point that I asked the question. And then one day, a couple of years ago, because I lived up on the river as well at that point, and I was looking at the new New York City skyline, and it just hit me like a, an avalanche. I'm like, wow, that's not even the skyline I grew up looking at, I, this is a completely different skyline all of a sudden. And it was at that moment that I realized, wow, this is what it must have felt like to those people at the turn of the last century, between the late 1800s into the early 20s, seeing a whole new architecture take shape and a whole new world building up around them. And I'm like, this is what it really must have felt like. Because it was the first time at that moment that I felt that the new way of the world we're in right now was not designed and targeted towards me. Mm. I was not the target audience anymore. And I felt like this is what those Edwardians and Victorian people must have felt like as they were watching their way of life just disappear into a really wild new way of life, which became the world we were familiar with. And now we're watching the world transform into a different way that, you know, kids growing up or maybe younger people in their 20s, this is just normal to them now. Yeah. And I mean, we can look back and remember a time. Well, I, I won't speak for both of us. I'll speak for myself. It has, it has sort of happened, though. Before COVID-19, I can remember a time before 9-11. If you live in America, you know, 9-11 wasn't the be-all, end-all for all countries, right. but it was the most recent Pearl Harbor to Americans, uh, you know, and uh, I remember life being different. I remember people being different. I remember life without all the massive technology we have at our disposal, <laughs> right? Now. Big mm -hmm. technology. I was a kid was a telephone, a stereo, and a TV. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, 
it has happened that we're from that age before the internet and you know we always knew we were going to be at that point where we were like you know in my day but it happened <laughs> and it feels like it happened way too soon in my opinion agreed agreed <laughs> i know <laughs> you're like ew what was before the internet you're old and gross well you know it's funny because even in my own family my sister is 18 years younger than me and my brother's 11 years younger than me and my sister doesn't even have any conception or remember what life was like before tv with remotes and she would laugh at me and my mom when we would tell stories about yeah you had to get up and change the channel on the tv she's like oh, i can't even imagine she's like that had to be too much hard work i wouldn't watch tv <laughs> awesome <laughs> i wouldn't watch tv too much work it's like, actually my mom was just telling me the other day she said pardon me you know the uh she said you know the the uh the corners uh around the floor of the kitchen and the bathroom where where the floor meets the wall and it, that's really the the yuckiest thing to clean right you know she said we would have to get the scrub brush and the brushes and get on our hands and knees and scrub out those areas in the yeah. house and if yeah. we did that and our parents were in a good mood they might let us watch tv for half an hour <laughs> that was how they would watch tv and that and i and like you know she just said that and i never heard her say that before i was like really i mean i'm not surprised honestly that you know because we had to earn these things when i was little too and well she was my mom so of course she put us through sort of stuff you want to you want to watch tv you go do something good run around outside for two right. hours that was more like it but um yeah you know and uh so not only did you have to get up and change the channel sometimes you had to like you know go all full scullery made for a bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I tease my my 10 year old niece, Athena, now and tell her, you know, we got my my mother a Roomba vacuum. That, oh, you know, nice. it, it's on, it cleans nice. up the, the floor and the, the vacuum, it goes back into the corner. And I was like, well, we didn't have that when I was a little kid. She's like, what did you use? I'm like, I was the vacuum. Yeah. My mother would make me get on my hands and knees and go all over the floor and pick up all the big heavy lint and throw it away and then we had like carpet clean like carpet sweepers like we didn't even have an electric vacuum you know we lived in really old-fashioned apartments and yeah i mean yeah. that makes me sound really old people always say to me people are gonna exactly think i'm talking to an old man now <laughs> no i'm like well hoboken was i always tell people i was i grew up in the late 1800s they're like what i'm like hoboken was stuck in 1897 perpetually until about 1997. <laughs> I'm like, we're, so, I think that's kind of cool. It was, it was interesting. You know, of course we had, you know, electronics and TV and stuff, but the apartments were old, you know, grandparents still owned brownstones. Everything was still just a little bit old fashioned. And it seemed to be more towards the end of the nineties that everything rapidly caught up with mm. the 20th and then going into the 21st century which is even why I do what I do today with Offset Gypsy, because I saw, I saw the tail end of the old world charm of, you know, folk beliefs and traditions mm. and custom. And I saw a lot of it growing up. And, you know, I'm lucky that I have a couple of friends who've actually gone out into the world and do what I do as well, because they share those memories. And, 
it's nice to be able to talk about them because whenever I'm talking to people I just meet or doing presentations or workshops or classes and I start regaling people with my old stories, yeah, it makes it sound like, um, you know, reading from a fairy tale book. Sometimes I even got to stop myself and think, wait a second, did I just make that up or did that really happen? Oh, no, no. Okay. That really happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The, 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 yeah. I don't even know what to say, but yeah, you're, you're not in fact ancient. You're not in the ancient no. days or old graybeard <laughs> old man folks. This is, this is Osset gypsy who we first connected uh, when I was in, in California last year and you would pop up on some of my live streams and I you yeah. know you're out I would be outside in the sunlight so I couldn't really see your name and I'd be like oh it's autopsy <laughs> gypsy and uh that became a thing for a little while and then we actually chatted back and forth and realized and I loved your work I, I saw I, I saw your shop was closed down right and I was very worried it, it looked like you were gonna go full digital and have to close the store right is that my am I, well, I correct I located very it was a close call though, eh? Well, this was, yeah, well, well, there was a shift and I was happy that it happened. Um, when you and I first crossed paths, weren't you over at the ISIS Oasis? Yeah, in Cali. And that, I have a big history with the ISIS Oasis and a lot of people over there and I'll, I'll explain that oh, in a moment. Damn. Oh, this just got I mean, interesting. Oh, oh, a very deep history with the ISIS Oasis. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll awesome. explain that in a second. We'll, we'll yeah. go backwards. But when you were talking about my my shop closing up, I, I did open a location in a, again, an old fashioned looking little city called Easton, Pennsylvania. It was right on the border of New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And uh, I was thinking about moving and then the whole COVID shutdown happened and it happened right right as my lease was up anyway. So I thought, eh, I don't know where this is all going and maybe I should just close up the shop, put everything in storage for a while and just go back to phone and teleconference because I've been doing that forever anyway at clients' requests. And um, so I did that through spring and summer and then a new location found me in an even cuter river town, but this time on the New Jersey border and I reopened in this new location and the town is called Frenchtown, New Jersey. And it's just a really charming, cute town. My mom calls it the Hallmark Channel movie town. And, you know, it does, it looks like a big set. It doesn't look real. Mm. It's a really cute place. And I've just been doing well here, knock on wood. And the community has embraced me and been really cool with me. So it's a much better location. So I didn't have to go completely digital. Although that is in the works for later i'm still toying around with that because i'm just not technologically savvy i know there's a better way to be using all of these these iphones and ipads and websites and all this stuff and i've yet anyone to sit down with me and work on it <laughs> oh yeah i had a buddy uh i i spent like most of the last 24 hours working on like trying to do a dns configuration and c name stuff and i even had to get my buddy to help me and he's like a Pro, like you know everything every word he says doesn't mean anything to me um, <laughs> talks about it. i can sort of uh, usually I have no problem configuring websites i'm usually fine with that stuff but sometimes they name things different and you know after uh, all that time after everything i did the conclusion was yeah i need to transfer the name to another host 
it's just easier and i got and where i already get free ssl you know rather than paying well, you know, for an ssl it's like oh all of that just to realize i should just transfer it to google domains where most of my shit is instead of keeping well, it on pair where i bought it it's like oh god oh my god you're very well organized with it once my tech savvy friends start talking to me in that computer language i start talking to them in astrology or metaphysics oh nice. and they're like what? what are you saying i'm like that's exactly how you sound to me i know exactly what i'm saying I'm like, I have no idea what you just meant. <laughs> now we're <Yeah>. even. <laughs> yeah, they're like trying to, they, they're, they're like, you just have to do this. And you're like, dude, you're harsh, like squaring my trine right now. <laughs> let's, let's stay on the sex towel at least, eh, baby? <clears throat> let's not go retrograde. No. no. Direct. Not yet. Soon. Yeah. Soon. Soon. Coming. <laughs> yeah what which what, which what's the next retrograde coming mercury yeah that's my favorite i love it that's your favorite it, yeah it actually you know, does it actually works for me and see you're an astrologer right yeah, yeah i am so yeah you, you do readings people can go to ossetgypsy.com and book you for a reading and they should do it now okay um but uh yeah no i, I always uh, a mercury retrograde affects me very well i function better in it isn't that weird no, I, I believe it. I'm not one of these people with, you know, well, just to go back in, in time a little bit, back to the late 1800s. No, I'm just kidding. Not that far. But growing up, my aunt was an astrologer. I learned a lot of folk astrology and um, I learned a lot of folk everything, folk astrology, uh, folk metaphysics, folk magic. I, there was a lot of old folk, you know, and I, I was this little kid who loved old people. So I always hung out with them and asked a lot of questions. Uh, when I learned astrology, I, I learned it from a different point of view. I, I didn't learn it from the, I'm going to be a five cent psychiatrist point of view. Hmm. And I didn't learn it from the absolute new agey point of view, which still entertains and baffles me to this day. Hmm. I, I learned this practical folk astrology and how to just use astrology practically through your life and through your day. And Mercury retrograde, what the, the public has bastardized it since they've become aware of it. And now they can use it as a scapegoat for, you know, making mistakes. They can just blame it on the mercury going backwards for three weeks. Mm. But I agree with you. I don't think it's always catastrophic. It's going to screw up technology. It's going to screw up travel plans. It's going to screw up, you know, things in that nature that should just normally move forward. But that doesn't automatically mean that it's going to be devastating and do bad things. Sometimes you get to go back and finish things you started. Sometimes uh, you find things you lost. Uh, there's there, there's so much more to it than oh no, it's going to be three weeks of. The, the heavens tearing up the fabric of existence and, you know, everything bad is going to happen. That's superstition. That, that's when people fear something they don't understand. But it sounds like you understand it. So you don't seem to be too afraid of it. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know uh, if I, I, I don't know if I'm just channeling the force as it is, you know, and, and riding the current and therefore not being battered by the wave. Right. Or the energy changing. I don't know if I'm doing that like as an act of magic or if I just 
you know, or if it just flows with my strange placement, because I, I got Mercury um, in Aquarius conjunct Mars at, well, they're, they're at 24 and 29 degrees. So it's a, it's a light conjunction right next to my mm. son in Aquarius all in the fourth house. And so it's sort of like a little uh, Aquarian shit show down there of them just partying <laughs> out Mars, Mercury and my son, just sort of rocking it in the house of the home. And that's <laughs> sort of my life. You know, I like to have a kingdom with my library and my magic and my music. And I just reign supreme in my little domain. And hopefully no one comes in and fucks up my shit. I totally get you. I'm an Aquarius as well, too. Yesterday was my birthday. Happy birthday. It was your birthday. Oh, my Jesus. Yeah. Happy birthday. I understand your language completely. As soon as you were like, I came into this with my books and my music and my art. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. I've ever had a normal job. I've done all of that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty awesome. I'm really excited to be talking to an Aquarian brother right before my, my birthday, which is Sunday, of course. Uh, I posted my chart like last night. I don't know if you noticed it. Oh, that was brave of you. No, I didn't see it. I, um, I, I was having some birthday festivities, but uh, I'll go peek at it later. You're brave to put that out there to the world, you know. I like I like punching superstition in the in the balls. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, you know, um, because plus also people like that way people give me. You know, you know, people are going to, people like to give you advice, right? They like to just yeah. tell you what to do. So this way, yes. some of it will be a bit more accurate. Touche. <laughs> Touche. I like that. That's a good point of view. I like it a lot. Also, so my, my mom's going to do my uh, progress chart for my birthday and do a, an epic podcast with me, which is, uh, you know, taking, uh, taking cool. some convincing on my part um but she <laughs> i love it. Do it and it's going to be great and we're going to get into it because we've we've had little astrology clip uh to convos over the years and i've put them together and posted them as astrology mom and some of my friends have been like whoa you really take like get a little harsh sometimes and like really take challenge on stuff it's like yeah it's my mom like that's the <laughs> your parents you can, you can sort of you know they're different they're different than every other person in your life you can sort of push back a bit more and there's no love loss, right? You can be like, well, right, of course, right. Whereas I wouldn't come to you and be like, so palmistry, kind of bullshit, right? Kind of bullshit, <laughs> kind of bullshit, so bullshit. You know, like, do you really believe this? I know you do it, and we love it, and we both believe it, but it's bullshit, right? You know, I wouldn't say that to you, and I also don't think that. Um, I definitely don't think that. I think it's a but, funny example because you're right. You yeah, can, <laughs> it's fun to say that to your to your mom because you know you're going to get reaction <laughs> well also because i'm curious to know where you know it's sort of interesting to know where things sit in people's minds and like you know if you really know someone well you want to know about their their doubts and their questions and where they've been at because we go through phases in life more complex complex beings seems to be no. a real a fact that the current culture has lost track of you know, that we're complex people who change and grow and go through phases and come out of phases and get hurt and heal. Like, we need to leave room for this thing called human life. Now, yeah. Right? Like, Agreed. I was saying this the other day because, you know, I've, I've had, I have guests on the show. Like, everyone, on, everyone who comes on the show has enemies out there. So then sometimes they reach out and they're like, can't believe you talked to that person. Like, I don't, I don't really know you. I don't really know that person. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, just one, you know, 
just getting through. Oh, you know, just chill. Also, I said to this other guy, I was like, you can't. I said to Rye, who Ryan, who, who does the Praxis of the Obscure podcast, you should go on that. He's a great interviewer and, and he's new at it, but great. He's just a nice guy. Anyway, he I was I was telling him, I was just saying, like, look, we have to leave. We have to come at people like open and give them benefit of the doubt. And also, like, leave if you don't leave room for someone to change and grow, how can change, people change and grow? Right. I'm not saying this exactly well as well as as well as I did the other day, but but yeah, if if I don't like leave that space to if I don't, you can't just cancel everybody because they did something bad once or like everyone's done something bad at some point. Can you imagine if everyone in the world instantly knew the worst thing that everyone else had done? We were all just canceled. No one was allowed to talk to each other or have a job. The whole world would shut down. We'd all have to be like, oh, well, how about we all agree to just try and do better and move on? But that's, that's a logical conclusion of this crazy thinking. Well, I, see, I don't know at what level all of that is where you are, but here in America, that is just the way people are living their lives these days. I, I would say that a lot of it has to do with social media, their strength in numbers, and it's easy to start a forest fire when people can hide behind their devices and, and come for people. It, like, you know, it must be, it, it's a human trait that to get engulfed and enraged and if there's if there's a few people that don't feel strong enough or confident and they come into contact with other people who feel the same way well they keep building that fire up and then it turns into an inferno it's not just like a little birthday candle flame anymore and but then it goes out of control because then maybe they did start out sincere but then you're always going to get those mobs of people who are insincere looking for that energy to feed on to to propel their agenda. And then it just turns down right hateful. And you're right, you know, I, celebrity these days, I can't imagine why anybody would wanna be famous anymore at this point right now, because <laughs> the- It was the sort of fun to see the world turn on the celebrities though. <laughs> What'd you say? It was a little bit fun to watch the world turn on Hollywood oh. and celebrities. I got a little kick out of it. Like, no. you know, there was an age in which if you saw a bunch of celebrities singing Imagine with makeup off, you'd be like, oh, they really do care about us. Like, you saw that in the 90s, you'd be blown away. Like, this is amazing. They're fucking humans, like deeply human, just like us. But when it came out, it was like, you fucking douchebags you rich yeah, i agree pretentious douchebags shut the fuck up and the backlash was was so perpetual against hollywood that literally hollywood went away they've gone well, away that, they've that, all shut up the thing with hollywood though you know i have a lot of friends who work in hollywood and <laughs> yeah. they work hard and i i always have you know a love-hate relationship with the whole thing and you know they always feel real bad when they're like james will you stop you know, beating down my my town or stop beating down my work. And I'm like, it's not your work. It's not yours. I'm like, it's the it's the bigger things that are bothering me. Like here in America, uh, professional athletics, like the NFL, I'm like, okay, there's no reason why that one athlete individual needs to sign a $20 billion contract. And then in the same newscast at 11 o'clock, you're going to tell us that there's no money for fill in the blank. And I'm like, but that one individual to kick a football 
just signed another $30 billion contract on top of the one he had last year and the year before. But there's no money for fill in the blank. So us schleps have to live day to day. But that one guy, because he can kick a football, can get yeah. a $30 billion contract. I'm like, there's something wrong. And there's, there's nothing wrong with making movies and entertaining the audience. And I'm not saying they should only make $5, but when it's gotten to this disgusting, greedy extreme, that one person is making all the money and all those other people over there aren't. I mean, maybe this is me being too Aquarius idealist. I don't know. Oh no, let's, this is we're going to call this episode I, the Aquarian Love Fest. So let's just do it. Aquarian oh. Love Fest. You know, and I'm not saying let's get into communism. I'm not into that either. But w the world, like here in America right now, has gotten so strange that people are losing their homes and their small businesses, but. You know, Beyonce just signed another quadrillion dollar record deal. For what? For what? We don't need another record from her. She had her moment. Let it go. <laughs> like, we don't need that for 30 years. You know, we don't, we don't. Like, just let that go. <laughs> and, but the, they don't. They, you know, I know how the music industry works. And I know you know how mm. the music industry works because you said you were a musician. Unfortunately. And I, well, that's the crazy thing. I was pursuing music as a career until the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and I got all the way up to signing the contract and getting the record deal. And I was the one who said no. And everyone was like, are you insane? And I'm like, well, you're welcome. Everybody got Justin Timberlake instead. There you go. That's my gift to the world. And... <laughs> I, but I mean, like, it's I his birthday on Sunday as well. He and I are born the same day, same year. He's an Aquarius. Yeah, same day, same year as me. Yes, his birthday Sunday. We both turned forty. I didn't know that. JT, see, JT. I knew. Bitch. I knew him before Insync became popular. So we all lived in Orlando. I'm not from Orlando, but we lived in Orlando for a while, Great. and we were all we were all getting signed to the same record label at that moment. And you know, he was he was just a little bit younger than me and he was a nice guy and but they were just puppy milling all of us and that's why i walked away from the music industry because it was it was not what i thought it was going to be you know i went to the music industry with like years of performance under my belt singing voice lessons and writing songs and that's not what they wanted they just wanted a hired contract player that you can get at Disney World or Universal Studios. And they just wanted you to play what they wanted to sell because they wanted all the money. <laughs> they didn't mm. even want to share it with the artists anymore. I was like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsors. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I mean, I never had those those experiences, but it's really interesting to hear about them. And a lot of my friends had those experiences. Like one of mm. my one of my main friends from twenty years ago, uh, who tried to convince me to 
not play music i was like i've been playing a little music in grad school because i didn't start i wasn't a, i'm not a real musician like a lot of musicians are like been playing since i was a kid or whatever i did play a lot as a kid in school but not seriously i didn't pick i didn't really get into music till i was 25 um oh, and right. that was like then i like 23 24 25 just in grads just sort of for fun and then next day i knew i was on tour it was an accident but it lasted for 15 years so that's how things go sometimes or 10 right. years yeah you know it's like oh and it was celtic thing so it was genre but oh, I nice. yeah. irish music so that that was why it worked for me and, and youtube had just come along facebook was just coming along it was like so the independent thing was really possible we were able to produce records and you know, do everything on our own without labels and form our own independent labels. So I was part of that scene. And that was really fun because all my friends in Vancouver were doing their crazy folk stuff. So I got on one of their labels and then we were all touring around the world and it was great fun. It was great. It was very independent, very that indie, the rise of the indie until, until like Spotify and iTunes came along, stopped paying us royalties and just sort of crushed us. And that's what happened in the last 10 years really is what we saw is the death of independent music. Yeah, no. I, um, it popped up for a moment. It was great, and then it died. <laughs> they killed us. I, <laughs> I hear you. I know. It, well, it, it, it is like a blessing and a curse. All these platforms for musicians. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's at least there's platforms for people to get themselves out there. But you know, the wild west and pioneering days of the internet and you know all of these platforms and things are kind of over they've been clamped down and now they've been you know restricted like look at youtube youtube was just a, uh it was the alternative for the mundane person yeah. to show their creativity and the way i learned the hard way with that was when my niece was really little she used to watch this little youtube show about these three little girls her age and after time went on she was still watching this and i'm like wow their show got really polished it's like really produced do they get picked up? And she was like, no, their dad does it. He edits it for them. I'm like, oh, unless this dad like is in production or dropped his day job to pursue filming his daughter 24 hours a day, seven days a week and editing this stuff. I'm like, there's no way. So I did a little digging and research and found out that it was a Comcast Nickelodeon show that they grew to look organic on YouTube, but they were the production had a plan they were going to make it look like these kids were just playing with their video cameras and then turned it into they got picked up by nickelodeon and got their own show eventually but it was just that from the beginning and once i saw that then i knew there's there's nothing there's nothing organic anymore about these internet platforms now that the big boys got their claws into everything now you'll never know what what was Mm. kind of homegrown and what was prepackaged to look homegrown yeah yeah you know they got to decide your sound and manufacture all that and stuff like that you can still break out today but there's just it's the the corporate monster machine is just doing doing what it does to maximize that bottom line but yeah well, it's a blessing and a curse I, I i was upset when 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 they demonetized my music youtube i have over 1500 videos on it and when they just demonetized that and just stopped like letting it function, essentially, I just put everything to private and left it behind. Basically, I was like, yeah, okay, this is ridiculous. You can't, you got to be able to, whatever you do, you got to be able to make a living at it. Right. And of course, yeah, with, yeah. with music, you have to work really hard to make a living. At right. it. You might be playing five, six nights a week or doing some other version of music, like mixing, running a studio, whatever you're doing, you're probably doing it nonstop 
just to make right. like three, four grand a month. And that's, that's fine. If you love it, that's absolutely fine. If you love it. And uh, most of us do love it. So that's why we do it. Right. <laughs> like that feeling of listening to a new song recorded well that you like, or whatever, playing a great show, like nothing beats that. Nothing beats that. But uh, the downside is uh, all this craziness that comes, comes with it. It was well, that live component, you know, I, I always love everything live. The thing that's been killing me about the last year is yeah. the, you know, the, the pause on events and festivals. Because even doing what I do, when, when I made up my mind to pursue Osset Gypsy and tarot card reading and astrology and palmistry professionally, I remember I made the decision while taking a very long hot shower. And I remember thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? And I said, you know what? I'm going to take that rock star image that I had pursuing music and pursuing entertainment. And I'm just going to marry that to this other side of my life and go for the gold and see what happens. And for 20 plus years, it worked. And, you know, I'm where I'm at now. But I still had that mentality of the musician applying it to the metaphysics. I liked going out to the festivals. I liked going out to the events. I liked being out with the public. I really okay. loved the public. And, you know, it kind of worked out nicely. I got to apply my, you know, entertaining image and aesthetic without it looking too questionable of, is this guy for real or not? You know, and it just worked out in a nice balanced way, nicely. The public received it well and enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it. So it was legit. The skills and the talent were legit. This was all good. And I got to pursue all the things doing tarot that I wanted to do as a rock star. It was the craziest thing. That's interesting. I up, yeah. I mean, I can't say that my story is the same as every other tarot card reader. It It's not. It's I've been doing it a long time now. And it, I've been doing it professionally my whole life. And the funny thing was, I got picked up by high-end event agents. And I did big celebrity events and parties all over the country and got to meet yeah, a lot of- They saw that you knew how branding works and that you had chosen an image and run with it. And they're right. like, this guy gets it. And that's right. actually a big part of uh, communicating at those professional levels that I think a lot of people don't realize. They're looking well, for certain signs that you get it, whatever it is, the, the business or the, the thing. And you showed right. that with your rock star image approach and with your distinct branding early on. Now everyone understands this. It's very, it's common knowledge how this sort oh, of works. Oh, or it completely. So. I it wasn't it. common knowledge 10 or 20 years ago at all. People did oh. not know this stuff. No, and this is what my story gets a little funny because uh, right with the advent of social media, this is when I was at my height at the moment doing a lot of television, a lot of radio, my horoscope columns were in, uh, they were published in international fashion magazines. I did everything wow. the old, old 20th century way, which was get into the mosh pit with the audience, let them, let them carry me you know, just be public. And I toured all over the place. I never said no. I showed up with 
with a full-on tent and entourage or I showed up with a little knapsack and one deck of tarot cards and I sat on the floor. I did it everywhere. Wow. And so then when I started getting into TV and radio and then there was just this one day i remember getting a phone call from this girl and she was like yeah we're gonna pass on you and i was like why <laughs> she's like your social media numbers are just too low and i'm like i don't know what you just said <laughs> she's like yeah i'm like I, what does that mean she's like you, you know had, like facebook and i'm like what? That's <laughs> and that's what killed my TV career temporarily at that moment. I was like trying to explain to the girl, I'm like, look, I am out there in the real world doing this. The whole world knows me. I don't have time to sit and play on a computer and, and do that. Cause that, that was the mentality at that yeah. moment. She's like, look, we and don't then, want the world to know you. We want it to seem as if the world knows you. Right, right, right. They were looking for people who did what I did now not with any credibility, not with any experience, but just with a good profile picture and certain amount of followers. And I, that threw me, I, I didn't understand. And look, I'm still even late to the game with social media with Austin Gypsy. I see people out there who look like me. I see people out there who do what I do. Uh, they're on the social media 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're interacting and Unfortunately, it also became an age thing. I also started coming into a certain age of life as social media was dawning where I wanted privacy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't want everyone knowing what I was eating, who I was hanging out with, where I was anymore. All of a sudden I was craving privacy because I hit a, you know, a maturity bump. And yeah. I, I tell myself every day, there's so much more I should be doing with that social media, with what I do. And I just can't budge. So I know it's a block within me. You know, again, it's that Aquarius, uh, where was this 25 years ago when, you know, oh, yeah. I were walking the room naked and now all of it's here. And I'm like, no, I prefer privacy. Get away from me. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to think like, do you, do you, have you spent much time thinking about what you would have done? If this stuff had been around in the 90s, what you would have done? I would have been a famous pop star. Me and my <laughs> friends who had always said that. We were like, we were like Scissor Sisters before Scissor Sisters existed. The name of our oh. group was James Dakota and the Mighty Aphrodites. I don't know what to tell you where oh, we were. Wow. We were just between like the B-52s and my life with the Thrill Kill cult. Like I there was no way to even label the show that we did, but people loved it. And we we toured it everywhere and we had a cd out and you know it got play and it was on radios and it was popular but we always kept saying at that point there's a missing ingredient here what is it and then you know years later after we were older and the internet came out and youtube we were like that's what we needed that was the missing component that would have got us to the yeah. public without having to go through a record company like you used to have to do mm -hmm. you know now yeah. you just put stuff out and the public likes you and then the 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 record companies come looking for you or if they you know if the homegrown thing still works like i said before i don't know but even in the world of metaphysics it's become you know I, i'm an aquarius librarian book geek i love to read i read anything you put in front of me and I'll have to send you the books. 
Oh yeah, please. And but it's just become weird. Like when I see TikTok witches, and when I see like what metaphysics has become in the 21st century. Like for a little while, I was really loving the direction it was going, and now all of a sudden, it's so pop culture-ish mm. that the yeah, Aquarius and bites my yeah. bottom lip. Like all the stuff, don't... yeah. It's uh, it's you know, it's really entered mainstream pop culture, which is just so trippy to see. Like from the Sigillum de Metz on 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 teenage, you know, shirt t-shirts, like you know, just regular teenagers yeah. and around the world. It's just it will, yeah. I don't even know what to say. I try to say one thing, but the surplus of examples coming to mind is just overwhelming. It's just it's <laughs> somehow sort of mainstream, and that's crazy. Like you know, uh. Where was the, where was that uh, where was that acceptability uh, you know in in the nineties uh, uh, during uh, Mr. Eccles' trial you know like <laughs> it would have would have been really sort of good for a little bit of perspective back then when those scores were going down. Um, I was just talking with uh, with uh, Marco the other day about because he's got Damien coming to his uh, Avalon con and and Marco's a, a musician and toured with VNB Nation did a lot of cool stuff it actually turns out mixed stuff for friends of mine here in vancouver and knows my personal Very cool. personally so that was a little creepy to find out i was like oh shit we're we're one degree okay um and yeah what was the point and uh <laughs> yeah i don't know what the well it's like the mainstream i don't I didn't watch TV for a long time because if we're going to go as far back into the 90s and portions of the 2000s, I always said, you know, I never wanted to fashion my apartment around the television. I wanted to fashion it around people looking each other in the eye and conversing. Yes, yes, that's what were... we always did. Or And if there was a TV, yeah. we would have a, like a, a good looking scarf that would go over it uh, unless we were using uh, it. Completely. If I was home alone, I would never even look at the TV. So I didn't have one. I was always reading a book or listening to music or working on music. I felt the TV is good for people who need the distraction because they work heavy jobs. So they, they need to look at the TV. They need to escape. Meanwhile, my whole entire life is escapism and making a living on escapism. So I figured I, I better stay away from the TV because I've got to help make the escapism. So, I love that you see it that way with uh, that you see that side of what you do. That's really cool. That's almost yeah. like using a different kind side of the magic in its right. natural form. Like, hey, this this is a got an escapist element, and you work and you run with that as well. That's cool. That's powerful. It's but it's you know when you do this so long, you have to come to some truths and some terms with yourself with it. You know. Uh, and and that that does become the truth because not every some people are always going to admire people who can devote their life to this and that they'll be fascinated by that so mm. you have to if you then become one of those people then you need to be responsible and like you know li live it up to the nines and you know give that viewer what they they want to see so Friends of mine love, you know, they're, they're into TV, Netflix and Hulu and, you know, all this stuff. And was it last year? I sat down and watched because my friends kept saying, James, will you watch this one show with us? Because you're going to get it on a different level than we do. And we want your perspective on it. I'm like, OK, what is it? 
they're like, it's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I'm like, what, <laughs> the Archie comic? She's got a cartoon? I'm like, she's that's cute. I like Archie. And I know that comic book. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's not like that anymore. It's totally different. Just watch it with us. <laughs> and so for the first couple of episodes, I was... I was a mixed bag of emotions. I mm-hmm. was appalled. I was insulted. I was beguiled as to how they could be putting so much of this into the living rooms of the unknowing. I, th- I was kind of like, like a Satanism. Kid. What'd you say? <laughs> there's there there's there's spoon. It's it's like they got they're they're Mary Poppinsing Satanism into kids' mouths, and no one yeah. minds, and that's totally fine. And I, I, and I think back, of course, to West Memphis three days, and I'm like, holy shit, what a change. Well, it, it kind of it, it kind of shocked me a bit because being, you know, really self-centered about it, being a, a mature grown man who spent his life in metaphysics, I could prepare myself for watching this show. And I'm just thinking, oh, geez, there's going to be some 12 or 11-year-old kids who are watching this, and they're just going to accept it, that they're... they're they're not even going to be protected from what they're seeing and they're just going to accept this and this is going to be somewhat normal to them. So I kind of really freaked out about it. my friends were completely entertained. You know, mm. these were my non-metaphysical friends. Yeah. So they're like, we knew we were going to get some crazy reaction from you. They're like, because we can watch this show and to us, it means nothing. It's just a spooky show about spooky characters. And when it's over, we forget that we watched it and so we want to watch it again the next time yeah. they're like we knew you would be completely like going through the motions about this and that's why they wanted to see my reaction to it yeah but i ended up watching the whole entire series of it because oh, one yeah. time the does get a little bizarro and then just turns into a fantasy show but what that show was speaking to me and probably to you if you watched it too yeah in different in different ways because you knew what a lot of the stuff was that they were pulling from now whether this director and producer and writer were really into the occult or metaphysics or they just drew on and skimmed the surface of what would just even be real intense metaphysics to people who don't even pay attention to it i don't know but like it was enough chock full in there that i was like you know, there's some sigils and some things that they're doing in this show that I don't know if the whole public should have this in their living room. Like, maybe I saw it a little too, too, too overboard. I don't know. That's kind of how I am. But, you know, that's... Yeah, yeah. This, uh, there's the question of just in undue influence with some of these things. But, oh, I don't know. You can, yeah, there's nothing we can do about it, so it's almost not too much worth worrying about it. I mean, it's it's the popularizing of this stuff. I mean, it is good for us. I I made one bad comment about it down at PantheaCon in San Jose last year, and oh the, right on the women next to me. I was like, uh, they were just they just they just bit my head off in the best way, and I loved it. They're like, these people that you just wrote off, they're paying for all of this. They're the reason that we're in a hotel with six thousand people who are all super into what we all teach. And I was like, I was, <laughs> I was preparing for my presentation. So I was like, yeah, that's completely right. I don't know what I was thinking. Like if people are just into the aesthetics and the culture of it, that's awesome. Because, you know, I used to have to hide my Wicca books so that I, uh, you know, wouldn't be a freak. Of course, you know, having the long black hair and eyeliner and trench coat pretty much, <laughs> you know, counter- counter- counteracted the 
hiding of any Wiccan books. So, yeah, <laughs> no, that was, it was the 90s. What can we say? But yeah, well, we got lucky. We, we were just part of a very romantic uh, vampire Lestat generation, you mm-hmm. know, lots of lots of velvet and chokers. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was fun times. And now it's it's just morphed a bit, and Sabrina and and uh, Supernatural, which did a good job. Um, I actually haven't finished the final season. That I got to like do a little little consulty thing on that with uh, for some some of the stuff, and that was cool. I liked I like cool. the idea of doing uh, bringing more accurate occultism into films at the same time, but using you know you can do it responsibly in ways yeah. that is going to intrigue and make people ask more questions rather than give them wrong ideas like. Like some of the stuff you see, I don't know which exactly because it's also. I, I tried to watch. I try. I actually tried to check out um, Winks last night, that fairy show, and I, I was messaging back and forth with my friend, and just I was like, it's so bad. It's it's so bad. <laughs> These fairy kids, and they're at this college, and it's it's just it's so so bad. It's so so bad. Oh my god. I can't believe it. But like, you know, if it had come out 20 years ago, I would have been like, this is amazing. A show about fairies and they're doing magic at a college. But now it's just like, it's just like, it's like someone ate a bunch of Harry Potter and vomited up and was like, here, eat this. And you're like, ew, did you choke on a fairy while eating Harry Potter and mix it together in your stomach and give it to me? It's like, yes, we did. Good point of bringing up Harry Potter. My sister, remember I told you earlier in our conversation. Well, I'm, gra- I'm sister- glad you brought up Sabrina. I'm glad you brought that up. I've wanted yeah. to talk no, to you about that. I did from a one. It's I very beautifully put- shot. That's actually what yeah. gets me. It's yeah. beautiful work. It, and it's shot right here in Vancouver. A lot of my friends are in it and work on it. And it's just so visually ap- appealing. It's like yummy. It's just eye candy. That's what eventually won me over. And I had to sit down and have that conversation with myself and say, James, sit down and relax it's entertainment it's tv you know what you're seeing the audience doesn't know what it's seeing you're gonna have that edge let it go and just give into the artistry of it and i did yeah. you know what smoke a the joint was good. the the storylines were good the costuming was good it it ended up just being a really fun visual television show and i couldn't say in the end grumbling like an old man, I hated every minute of it. I actually liked it. I <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I think most people well, like it. That, I don't know if maybe, well, I know that they got into a lot of trouble and if not sued by the Church of Satan for using the Baphomet statue in the school. Mm. And that's why they had to change the storyline and smash that up and put something else there. That right. I, you know. I, I, I'm surprised that you could, do that over a statue of Baphomet, which is pretty, pretty, you know, culturally historical. It's it's not really owned by the Church of Satan, right? The but Church of Satan will do whatever it can to get publicity. I think that's actually in their tenets. But this ties in with the beginning of our conversation as well. Mm. They wanted attention, and it was like I couldn't believe. I'm like when did the church of satan become evangelical like when did they all of a sudden go you can't have that statue it's ours and you're using it the wrong way so now we're going to sue you like why mm, well what? That, to me that sounds very lex talona satanist uh theory so you know we'll see if we can it's funny how the discussion of satanism has brought us back to 
uh, LaVey, Anton Zander LaVey, which of course ah, also brings us to Lady Lorian Vignier. Yes, exactly. Because yeah, they were buddies. They were. He they were. Isis Oasis. Oh, yes. Let's, yeah, let's go there. Lady crazy. Lorian. Lady Let Lorian. I, did you ever meet her? Rest her in peace. No, I did not. She died five years, uh, five years ago. And, um, yeah. But I did get to hang out with uh, the other big players from her yeah. day, which were Marilyn, Marilyn Motherberry and uh, Arissa Victor, Granny Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you know, when, when I joined the Fellowship of Isis, it, it took me a long time to do it. I, I've been a devout lover and believer in Isis my whole life. This kind of even goes a little bit into like family and whatnot, but I'll get back to that later. But later on as an adult, I, I monitored the fellowship of Isis for a long time because I didn't want to join a cult. And I, I, I went away for a weekend and I meditated and, you know, I really asked for signs that were legit and it all came back down to fellowship of ISIS. And I, I said, okay, I will go this route. And I went full on in. I devoted years to it. I shaved my head, became vegetarian, joined the Lyceum oh. and met some of the most wonderful, incredible people of my life. And then to finish my ordination, after my studies were done, I got myself across the country and headed up to the Isis Oasis in Geyserville, California, in Sonoma. That's about minutes out. That's where we met when on my. So you, I didn't know there was this whole element when you yeah. popped up on my live stream. And I'm there on that property yeah. playing music with Granny Rainbow and Eve and some right. other people, you know, with well, the Tracy there and stuff. Yeah. That, and I'm you just, you, you were like, holy I shit, this dude's there. at Isis Oasis. Well, I, this was years ago. So here's the funny story. So friends of mine, um, I was visiting friends of mine and working in their metaphysical shop for a couple of days in Walnut Creek. And it was time for me to head up to Isis Oasis. So I remember they had, I had to, I don't even know if I slept that night, but they had to drop me off practically in the middle of the night at the BART station because mm -hmm. the Walnut Creek station is the last station for the BART train. And it was cold and it was pouring rain. I never saw rain like that before in my life. And oh, it's crazy the rain they have there. I actually thought it was that they were joking. I was like, you yeah. haven't seen rain. You're not from Vancouver. And then the rain <laughs> happened and it went on for months. I was like, oh, this is like Vancouver. It they was were... just, it was, it was like being underwater. And yeah. here I was with luggage and all this stuff. And I remember getting on the BART train and then from like getting into San Francisco, it was still pitch black out. And I had to catch a bus and I had to run halfway across the city because I got off at the wrong terminal or something and finally got myself on the bus. Now, the bus going out to Santa Rosa to take me to Geyserville was nice, mm -hmm. but it was still pitch black. And I remember the sun had just started coming up as we were going over the Golden Gate Bridge and it looked like a scene for Mists of Avalon. Like I, didn't, I thought I was in the sky. I didn't even know where I was. And... So I got to Santa Rosa 
And they said, okay, from Santa Rosa, you have to transfer to go to Geyserville. So I said, okay. So it was Valentine's Day. And I got out at Santa Rosa and I just felt something was very different about this place. I couldn't put my fingers on it, but something was just different about this place. And I kept asking people, I need to get the bus, the bus to Geyserville. Where is it? And people would just look at me mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, I'm not dressed weird. I'm not like doing anything. Like, I don't know why. The, no one's uh, <laughs> it's like you, you, you didn't realize as far as they were concerned, you were basically asking how to get to Brigadoon. Yeah, exactly. So then I finally asked someone. They they're one of the like, fairy people. Well, they were, they were. And I'm going to have to tell the story in its entirety. And I, I, and I, I say it, it with and sincerity because it's one of my favorite memories. And I remember it in full detail. Somebody, this, this guy, just kind of like maybe a little slow. Like there was something different. He was special. And I'm like, where's the bus to Geyserville? He's like, right there. And he just pointed. I'm like, right where? there and the bus just pulled out i was like <laughs> oh no i missed my bus i'm like when's the next one do you know he's like an hour i'm like oh so there was this little cafe bus stop area and i went in and there was there was people in there and they were all very special very different and amongst all of these people was this incredibly provocative beautiful blonde girl with big blue eyes and her hair up tousled up on top of her head in this red tight dress. I'm like, this is, am I dreaming? What the hell am I seeing in here? And she was just Venus to these very special different people. Now as I'm getting myself settled in at this cafe bus stop at Santa Rosa, I'm realizing the people are special. Some of them are deaf. Some of them have Down syndrome. Some of them are handicapped. Some of them uh, challenged in one way or another. And I was in the midst of all this was this beautiful blonde. And I'm like, this is like a Fellini movie. I'm like, what have I, am I still in my body? Have I astral projected somewhere? Where am I? And the conversations being had were fascinating. And I I just made my way around the cafe. Everybody was really nice. Everybody was really, really nice. But they all had something very special about them. And eventually this Venus gal, they all love her. They're all cooing and cawing all over her. I start talking to her and I'm like, where are you from? So I'm waiting for my boyfriend. I I came all the way out here by bus and I've been here for four hours and he still hasn't shown up. And I kind of surprised him and I wanted to do it for Valentine's day. And like, she's going on this whole, like very Venus, very, very loving. And like these other boys would come up to her and I'm going to say boys because they were men, but they had the mentality of boys because they were special. And she was gentle with them and she was kind and, oh, they just swooned all over her and melted and, I was just like, this is fascinating. And then she was like, you know what? She's like, you're not going to get a chance to meet my boyfriend because you have to get on that bus right there. Or you're going to miss it again. And I was like, oh. And as I was leaving, the boyfriend came in. Of course, his boyfriend looks like some strapping cowboy, you know, mm. good looking guy. And she screamed and jumped all over him, was hugging him. And as I was walking away, I heard them get into a fight. And then I got on the bus and that was all I heard. 
And so then I get on the bus with these really poor people. And I'll just never forget, there was a mother holding a baby whose face was just like drool and snot. Like the poor kid was just like, the kid was just like hanging over her arm. And then at one point the bus driver was like, look, you got to get off here because you didn't pay. She's like, but I got to get this baby to a doctor. I can't, I, please just drop me off in the town I want to go to. I, I don't have any money. So I paid for her. And um, good man. Well, I wasn't doing it for that. It was very, but thank you. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. She You're didn't an Aquarius. say anything. Of course you did, right? Of course we did. Well, it's Aquarius. But that's the best side of Aquarius. Way- what the, what'd you say? That's the best side of Aquarius. Oh, manifest like, there. I mean, we all do sort of want everyone to move along together yeah. and as one big happy group. Well, well, that was easy. I had the money. She didn't. This kid had no clothes on. She was, it was hanging over her arm. It was face full of snot and, and drool. And, you know, she wasn't in much better shape either. But they looked humble. They didn't look like, you know, they just looked humble. They were very poor. So... I, I wanted to see where she got off. And then I said to the bus driver, I need to go to Geyserville. He's like, okay. And so- For those finally, listening, Geyserville is a town of about a thousand. It's unincorporated yeah, territory. It's like a little, there's just a strip of uh, several stores. Uh, there's tons of videos of it and pictures of it on my Instagram from last year. But it's, it's changed quaint. so much. Since, yeah, now it's so probably large. What I'm describing so is like the mega but, city version compared to when you were there. But here's, I know, I know, I know this is like a real long Aquarius version to get to a point of a story, but it's worth oh, I it. I love it. No, it's totally worth so, it. So this, this woman gets off at this clinic and she gets off the bus and she just stares at the bus with the baby. And I, I waved, the baby waved and she just stared at me as the bus drove away. So then as we're getting to Geyserville, it's starting to pour rain again. And I said to the bus driver, I need to get off at the ISIS oasis. And he's like, I ain't dropping you off there. That, that place is satanic. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> in the morning, I've been through a lot. Just, can you please just drop me off in front of it? I don't know where it is. It's my first time there. He's like, no, no, no. There's a, there's a bus stop about half a mile up the road. I, that's where I drop you off. That's where the bus stops. I'm not going in front of that place. Yeah. I'm like, you know, he started carrying on about the devil again. I was like, all right, all right, all right. So, he drops me off in the, the middle of Geyserville. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like some pioneering miners' town from the Wild West. It's pouring rain. I, I have no idea where I am. There's fog. And I'm thinking to myself, this is Hotel California. This is where I die, and nobody knows where I am. I know it. So I finally find the entrance, the gravel dirt road up to the Isis Oasis, and I see this brightly colored farmhouse. And I pull me and myself up to it. I ring the doorbell and knock on the door. About five minutes later, the door opens, and there's this older woman in this leopard print outfit looking like Mae West saying, can I help you? Who are you? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wake you. I got here earlier than I thought. My name is James. I'm looking for the Isis Oasis. I'm looking for Lorian. I spoke with her. She said, I can stay here to finish my ordination. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're James, I'm Lorian. She's like, this is way too early. I don't get up till 12 o'clock. That go is in the correct. Pavilion. Yeah. She's like, go in the pavilion, have them make you something to eat, something to drink. We're going to have a 12 o'clock meeting. I'll see you then. But this was like eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, okay, yeah. okay. 
Yeah, so she I went in. had a whole running restaurant out of that pavilion. Uh, yeah. Back then. Yeah. Yeah. She did. Did. And that's what I went to do. So they assumed I was either one of the Buddhists that stayed there when mm -hmm. the um, when the ashrams were overflowing, or I was just some backpacker that that just showed up there for a place to stay. Mm -hmm. So I got right into the morning meeting and they, they gave us all assignments and I got to my part. I don't know what I was scrubbing or cleaning. I was doing a terrible job of it, but I was doing it. And then the 12 o'clock meeting rolled around and it was time to divvy up. The sun had come out finally and all my fears went away. The ISIS Oasis became this beautiful, colorful place. And I was just in love all of a sudden and went back for the 12 o'clock meeting and they were like, okay, you're gonna cut down all the sage and the lavender that's growing up this side of the path. We need that for dinner. Um, what else can you do? I'm like, I, I'm a licensed massage therapist. I can, I can offer massage therapy to people. If some of you are doing really hard laborious jobs, I'm not gonna attempt. I can, I, I can, they're like, we have a massage room in the temple. We'll set you up there. So then all of a sudden, Lorian comes in and she greets with everyone. She hears what everyone's going to do. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got to go cut all the lavender and the sage. And she said to the guy in charge at the moment, I can't remember his name anymore. I can see his face, though. She's like, he's not here for this. He's here to finish his ordination. He's not doing any of this. <laughs> and they laughed and they were like, OK. And then Lorian sat down with me. And we had tea. She's like, no, you don't work. They work. You're here to finish your, your, yeah. your spirit training. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, I've got to work to keep my stay. I'm like, you know, it's not right. And then out of the blue, like a scene from Mists of Avalon, Shannon appeared. And Lorian's like, what's this? Shannon's like, I came here because I heard this was a haven for Isian priestesses, and I'm an Isian um, Mary Magdalene priestess. She's like, where are you from? She's like, New York. She's like, oh, wow. James is from Brooklyn. And Lorian was from Brooklyn originally, and she finally told us a hilarious story. I don't want either one of you picking up anything. Don't clean, don't cook, don't, don't work. She's like, I prayed to Isis to send me New York City energy. And she sent it. <laughs> She's nice. like, I can't get people motivated to work. <laughs> I can't believe you knew Shannon. Oh, I love Shannon. Yeah, we're, yeah we're... She, apparently we would have hit it off. Um, but I lived, uh, I, I was roommates with her ex-boyfriend, Thor. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Hence, you know, hence many problems because he's not mentally healthy. I don't, I know who he is, but I don't know him personally. The times I went out to Isis Oasis, it really was pilgrimage. Like the second time I went, we painted, we repainted the front steps of the chapel. The first time I was there, Shannon and I really cleaned out the chapel and started the noontime rituals again. Um, because that was my point to go there was to do sunrise. Noon, noon. Yeah. Celebrate the moon right let's it, celebrate yeah. the day as we go upon our way it is that all, it is that, yeah every day all man. got inspired because i went there to do sunrise noon and sunset uh 
meditations and rituals at the chapel. That's what I was sent yeah. to do. And Lorian loved it. And she's like, uh, she's like, you know, we haven't done this kind of thing in a really long time. She's like, you really brought the spirit back. And then when Shannon showed up, she loved the idea. So we, we cleaned all of the sacred iconography. There used to be a little running river behind the chapel. I don't know if that's there anymore. And um, yeah, now it's a, sort of an empty dam for the water to collect. Uh, okay, back then it was it was really flowing. Well, because yeah. of all that, remember? So yeah, there's no lake with swans anymore either, and just circles, uh, no ocelots. It's 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 got it, you know, it's changed. But yeah, I'm sure. I'm glad. I'm yeah, sure. it's good. I'm glad you got to be there when Lorraine was there and have a magical, beautiful experience. That's really, really awesome. Uh, look, I I still get a tear in my eye when I talk about her and and tell these stories and think about them. I mean, she was just a special, special person that really meant a lot to me. And uh, her generosity and her stories and everything about her, I just absolutely loved. You know, I meet a lot of people in my life and grateful for meeting so many interesting people to create so many stories. But she is one that stands out uh, above a lot of mm. other memories that I have. And they're, they're all good. And, you know, so and the she times knew I went Levee. Oh, well, Levee. She knew right. Levee. No, she was friends with Levee in, in San Francisco. She's the one, one who Levee. got him into exotic animals and all of that. And explain the whole story behind the Satanic Bible and his wife. And she, she told the story of Anton Levee, which just tickled me completely because, you know, you can't go any roads in metaphysics and not take the corridor that leads to Anton LaVey sooner or later. <laughs> he certainly made his mark for better or worse. He, he, this is true. This is absolutely true. Yeah. But yeah, so my, my time at Isis Oasis was very special. I finished up my ordination, took a few pilgrimages out there. Um, never, never had the opportunity to go to a convocation, unfortunately. Yeah, that was cool. That was very cool. I got to present they, a big class. I did taught a big class on God forms there too, like a I saw. You know, room full of clergy and yeah, yeah I, that you know, yeah, you know, um, uh, I, I definitely not everyone there uh, was down with my vibe, and that's okay. But uh, the reviews called it masterful. Masterful <laughs> is what everyone said. All these experienced you were like, that was the shit. Um, one guy walked out because he thought I wasn't vibrating Hebrew correctly, but he also didn't know what vibration was. So that's that's life. And I explained it to him <laughs> afterwards. You know, I'm a forgiving person. Right? If people walk out mid ritual, that's all right. I can handle it. The God forms can handle it. But uh, you know, there was really amazing people, and I was teaching a weekly class there um, on Hermetic ritual, and so doing different God forms every week and invocations and scrying and all of this stuff. But it's definitely sort of there's a lot more people there now who don't aren't into magic and it they get upset when people are and so really? me being there as a teacher and a writer and a scholar some people were like he's basically a waste of space this is not a place for spirituality anymore wait they, what That's yeah, the yeah that ma that attitude exists there now um and that's a shame that's a shame so there's a lot of hostility to me being a teacher there um and but that's why i went there i didn't go there for any other reason i didn't go there to learn about goats though i did get to help take care of goats and be, i really loved my relationship with the goats that was beautiful I take, <laughs> you know play with them in the full moonlight under this blanket of stars you know then go have a hot tub and 
float in the water as the bats are circling above me and dancing in the starlight and this that was beautiful yeah i remember yeah lorian is the one who kept the focus of it being a spiritual center and that's now more of a more of a facade than 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 the there's not really anyone there practicing hardcore except me and granny rainbow and of course de tracy comes from that background but the right. reason we, the, the only reason that we even went to Pantheacon and had a room and did all that stuff was because I pushed for it. I was like, of course we have to go. And they're like, okay, yeah, of course we have to go. And then I, then I got a spot. I, I got a spot presenting at Pantheacon, which is a big deal. But one of the other guys on the property didn't, and he did not mm-hmm. take that well and just went at me nonstop for months after that, like nonstop. Like really? Attacking me. I'm and taking swings at me whenever I was alone. If he found me alone, he'd take a swipe at my head yeah yeah so what? yeah yeah they, they they like have a couple of those people and rather than sort of censor those people they empower them um a bit and that was the, the unfortunate thing and that spiraled out of control um see um, the only thing we had to deal with back then were like i said there would be some buddhists who overflowed from the ashrams in the area so they would stay there but they had no interest in isism they had no interest in what we were doing and then there were some wards Lorian looked after. It was, I, there was the battered women and yeah. children house and there was the Alcoholics Anonymous house. We were always trying to keep the men away from the women. And uh, because they were going through different step programs and they were trying to get themselves on their feet and stuff. I didn't get too, too deeply involved with that. I helped Shannon with that when we were there well, very briefly, the, no, nothing like what Shannon did with that work. I mean, she she really got involved in it. But when I was there, I remember we just had to deal with like lazy backpackers who were taking advantage and not doing the work stay comp like you know um, compromise. They would just stay and they would like kind of do bad things in the temple and they would you know we had to like get them in order. That's mm. that was the that I faced when I was there those times I'm sorry to hear you had that experience that's that should have never happened oh yeah well yeah it's been a it's been a tough five years for them since Lorian died as their sort of spiritual center and you know but I wish them well I had a a nice uh evening exit interview with the Tracy when I left um and that was cool we had a uh, sat under the big tree at night and I got yeah. us, I brought us each a little little can, those cans that you can get at the corner store of a gin <laughs> martini because that's she likes gin and and you, you, you can do that in America you can go to the corner store and buy a martini in a can for two bucks which uh, you can't do in Canada but so we sat there and we talked for like two two hours two and a half hours and and you know like we didn't we let the drama go aside and and I was just like you know look I'm never going to judge you based on things people say about you. I'm just going to judge you on my experience of you and I'm going to keep you in my heart. And hopefully we will cross paths again one day. Cause she was like Scott Cunningham's biographer and he's one of his best. Right. Friends. Oh no. Has this long history with in the magical scene that I really respect. And I was really excited to yeah. get to work with her. I was hoping to work with people more closely and have more magic going on there, but they're, they're definitely in a lull in that cycle of, active magic but it was really cool to teach classes every week uh and if people didn't a lot of people came from outside geyserville and would drive up for them from santa rosa and stuff yeah both both clergy from the isis fellowship as well as <laughs> uh you know hermetic and judy style people and then i'm just other spiritual people in the vicinity and uh yeah, yeah and it was it was really nice to be there i mean i did sort of go there 
for a, a girlfriend in Santa Rosa. So it was a, a it was a dual dual reason for being there. Um, I also really loved the idea of teaching at a retreat center. I mean, way more interesting than teaching at a university, in my opinion. Is like be on what? the ground, be on the ground, like doing the work with the people, yeah. with the animals, and rituals. You know, way more interesting than teaching like an intro to philosophy or religion course at college. <laughs> well, that's not bad either, though. That's that sounds pretty good. Eh. But uh, well, I'm glad you had some good memories. And Detracy, Detracy is a, a she's I've known her a long time as well too. You know, because back then it was Lorian. To Tracy, Linda. Yeah, Lana. I really hit it off with like Linda, Isles, and Jeff and stuff. We mm-hmm. Jeff jammed mm-hmm. together. And yeah, a lot of amazing people I got to meet. And just, I really, I'm Did sad get... I missed Shannon. Is it a Shannon? I'm uh, sad I missed her, but yeah. Did I Did get you what? Meet his... Hello? This is Forrest. Okay, Did you sorry. Get a chance to... You cut out there for a second. I will say it again. Oh, sorry. Did you meet Isadora Forrest? No, I don't think I did. No. Uh, I don't know when the last time was she was out there either. She wrote Isis Magic, Offerings to Isis. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Her book is, is important to Isachi and Isaacs. I love it. Like, when people start to get into Isism, I always suggest two books. One, Isis in the Ancient World by Ari Witt. It's an academic read, but it's important. Because he will take you from the origins of ISIS up to contemporary times. And then Isadora Forrest's work, ISIS Magic, will take you from contemporary times where he leaves off into, you know, where ISISM could go into the future. Hmm. So those are two very important books for people, you know, uh, called by ISIS, specifically ISISM. You know, it's it's not just comedic or Egyptian uh, reconstructionism. It's, it's not that, but there's, you know, there is history laid on the foundations of which all the rest of the work is built. So it's important books. Mm, yeah. Very cool. I, I, yeah. I, I, I did expand my knowledge of those things even further, which was great because obviously, you know, in the golden dawn, it's very, very Egyptian. Um, and mm-hmm. they didn't, some of those people didn't realize that at, at Isis, they didn't realize how Egyptian my work was because they focused more on the Christian side of me and they didn't realize. And then, then they hear about me doing all this Egyptian God stuff and they're like, what's up with that? I'm like, that's golden dawn, man. It's like all, <laughs> all Egyptian. I mean, right. then the inner order, it's more Rosicrucian, but still very Egyptian. It's always very Egyptian with Kabbalistic uh, paint job a bit, but um, <laughs> uh, it was cool to, to learn other things, just a broader history of some of the gods and, and all that stuff. And I had written to uh, Lady um, Olivia, you know, Olivia, our, who is the founder right. of the Fellowship of Isis at Clonagall mm-hmm. Castle. I'd written to her when I was like 12 and I had a letter back from her, you know, I had a physical email written in her handwriting from Clonagall Castle from 93 saying, you know, <laughs> I hope when you're an adult, you'll be able to come visit us and, and join the priesthood and all that. So I had this like ancient connection to them. A lot of the people there didn't realize that and just sort of, you know, were like, why is this person being put up in a nice place? Like, they didn't realize I was a teacher or writer or had any credibility whatsoever. They just sort of wanted to, uh, yeah, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't the same. There wasn't any respect for what I was doing. Oh, that's terrible. You see, that's, all. And that once, was... it, once it became clear what I was capable of, that the people who didn't do what I did got very jealous and violent towards me, so... 
I can't believe that that would never have been condoned back in the day. No, it wouldn't. would never admit that. It yeah. was a peaceful place. It was, you know, even Lady Olivia, I missed my opportunity to meet her in real life and we were both disappointed. However, I, I do know that I got the thumbs up from her in a brief conversation, very brief. And the priestesses at the temple said that she's, she spoke highly of me and she, because Lorian had informed her on, you know, the times I was out there and what I was doing. And um, we were both disappointed not to meet each other before she passed away. That was another really sad moment as well too. But ironically enough, my brother, who's not into any of this and just into it by association with me, actually went to the castle in Ireland and sent me pictures from it saying, I ended up in this crazy place in Ireland, He's like, <laughs> all over it. He's like, and then they were talking about the fellowship of ISIS. And I told them all about you. He's like, the person I spoke to didn't know who you were, but he said, the old lady who ran, it wasn't home at the moment. I was like, how did you end up there? He's like, well, he was, he's a tour manager for rock bands. And he's like, Oh, we were out in Ireland touring. He's like, we, awesome. you know, decided to go check this place out people told us we should see it we were close enough so did you meet sandra ramdani yeah 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 because yeah. she's an irish indian psychic and priestess of that of fellowship and i i, right. I was doing work with her in galway when i lived oh, uh, very... in Chantala, ireland and she was telling me to go to clonigal castle and I never did to see Olivia, which I should have, because this was 05, right. I was there. But and then she also told me, but that's when I first learned of ISIS Oasis was from Sandra. And may she rest in peace, because she died suddenly just a few years ago. I didn't realize that. Until, I yeah, I didn't know, which was a shame. She sort of died mid-conversation on Facebook with me, and I just thought she wasn't replying. And when I got oh, to ISIS Oasis years later, I found that she had passed, but I didn't find that out online. Well, I know just yeah. recently, very She's recently. A like a wonderful the person. I love her very much we lost somebody too. I didn't get a chance to read the whole entire um, post and yeah. article. I was going to save it for later before I went to bed. You mean the beatnik poet? Um, what's her name? Um, connected with IO. Is that who you're referring to who passed? I think, yeah. well, I, I real quick and then I had to, I had to turn Facebook off um, and I figured, okay, I'll go back to that later. I'll, I'll see who that was because it, it kind of grabbed my attention. Yeah, we're losing a lot of legends. That's why I spent most of my time down at Ice Oasis hanging out and working with uh, two 82-year-olds because <laughs> they're, they're, they're treasures. Marilyn Mother Bear is awesome. She's awesome. Yes. And I love her. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Granny Rainbow, one of the reasons I have long, U.S. long distance on my phone is so I can call her. Like, oh, that's good. Yo, that's... Granny Rainbow, what's going on? She'll be like, oh, everything's wonderful. Some <laughs> of the people here are nuts. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she and i did a lot of a lot of work together a lot of ritual work together and really became pals it was great de tracy said That's it was true. probably uh her last student that she'd have and uh and that was special that was a special relation de tracy also let slip one night by the way here's a little fun fact to get on the record um that <laughs> lady olivia's apparently is actually like the illegitimate daughter of robert graves really yeah <laughs> well you know oh, those noble families like you know getting right, up all yeah. kinds of downton abbey shenanigans uh back, yeah. <laughs> back in, the, in the 40s and 30s or 20s it would have been the 20s like lady olivia yeah she would have been born in the 20s right 
Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, oh, I think that's, that's the rumor. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's something interesting that to <laughs> consider. Whether it's true or not it doesn't matter. It's a it's a great imagining. So who knows? Who knows? She was her her birth was a mis, sort of a bit of mystery and. Yeah, the world is, is is sadder for her loss and and her brother who ran Clownigal Castle. It's now I think yeah. more, of a, more of a tourist uh, stop run by the kids who are trying to make a living off of it, which makes sense, you know. Everyone's trying. They to do, and I know that there was a successor. See, there ended up being a bit of a schism. Yep. And there was a strange schism, and I was inadvertently involved in it and didn't even know until I had some dealings here in New Jersey with somebody who was causing some trouble. So then when I went on my next pilgrimage back to the ISIS oasis, I had to bring that up at a meeting and they were like, we know exactly who you're talking about, what's going on there. They're like, you don't even worry about them. You don't listen to them. Their words don't mean anything. Just leave it be. So I left it be at that point, but then one of my big, then there became the schism between, well, America has Isis Oasis and uh, Isadora Forest's temple in Utah. Why do they need to be associated with the main body in Ireland? So then there was this big schism between let them go their way, let's go our way, and we'll say hi every now and then. So I wasn't really too crazy about the attitude that was happening with that. And then when things got a little bit deeper with the terrorist groups, Daesh and ISIL, and in the Western media, they kept using the acronym for ISIS. ISIS. For their, and so I, I really started fighting against that. And I was trying to bring this up in the, in the fellowship of ISIS by saying, look, we, we, you know, our whole philosophy and our devotion and our belief is that words have power. Our goddess Isis is the magician who can, you know, orate perfectly to bring things into existence. Her name is a holy word. When we think it, when we feel it, when we say it, you know, it, it gives power. How are we allowing the media to keep using this acronym in such a negative, horrible, evil way? I'm like, because if the acronym was Buddha or Jesus or Allah or Moses, people would be up in arms and freaking out all over the place. And it would oh, be yeah. That shit would so get shut down so fast. Right. I'm like, <laughs> we're fooled because the Western media is going to be cheap and use a word that people would associate with the Middle East. However, ISIS is, has her origins in Egypt, and Egypt is not in the Middle East. Egypt's in Africa. I'm like, this is just a cheap shot. We have to correct this. And I was oh, interesting. Scor like. I was scolded and told we do not get into or belong to any politica, political affiliates or affairs. Oh. And then I stepped away from everything. I was like, I, I can't. I take my beliefs too serious. Yeah. And if we're not even going to try and get the Western media to yeah. stop using acronym, I, I can't be involved in this anymore because you're just going to sit and play you know, Dungeons and Dragons, then go for it. I'm like this, I take this very seriously and I'm gonna to continue to go out there and correct everyone politely that I come into contact with but to call that group ISIL or Daesh, whatever they wanna be called, but ISIS is not the acronym to use. See, it's I didn't even know it had those more accurate names. I didn't even know. Yeah. 
And when I was there, because uh, I did a lot of uh, extra work for them, like graphics, web, you name it, office work, you know, a lot of payments would get held up because of the name ISIS Oasis. And um, yeah, I know. They'd be like, you know, they'd have to make a bunch of calls and then the next day, 10, 20 grand would be put into the account that was going to just be kept because they're called ISIS. It's like, come on, you know, we're not some trained. No, but it, for, it was for a real thing for a while. I and so that, while I was there, they changed the name to the Oasis Foundation. It, what they had to, and this is what was yeah. terrible about. Yeah. I, I headed my own beautiful Iceum called the Iceum of the Sacred Lotus. I, we had so many followers. It was beautiful. And this wasn't online. I'm talking about in real life. We had services every Sunday. It was beautiful because across the street from where we held the services was an old Moravian church. As they were ringing their bells on Sunday, we'd be shaking our sistrums or sistra. And it was just a wonderful, incredible thing. And the, the people loved it. But once that explosion happened in the media, not even one by one, two by two, four by four, people just started disappearing, never heard from anyone again. And it just all disappeared because people didn't want to be connected to the name, even to the point where one of my dearest friends, mentors and priestesses in Orlando put together a, um, a fundraiser for what happened in Orlando with the, the Pulse nightclub, because that was up the street from where she lived and we all knew the owners and we used to do shows in that nightclub. And I was gonna do the meditation we did in the ICM with ISIS and not my friend, but one of the, the women in charge, she wasn't pagan, she wasn't, she was just part of the fundraiser she grabbed me before I went out to the public and she's like, you got to change the name of this. You can't go out there and say ISIS. I'm like, no, why? She's like, because of everything that's going on right now. And especially with what happened with pulse, I don't want you saying it. Mm. She's like, it's evil. And I, I saw that my friend saw her say this to me and she looked at me and she looked at her and I said, you know, I'm going out there now to do this meditation. And I went out there and I didn't change a word of it. And I explained to the entire public what ISIS really means. That woman got beat red and fists curled. Mm. And I saw my friend behind her laughing and giving me the thumbs up. But when the meditation was over, the people actually thanked me and said something similar to what you just said a few moments ago. I didn't know there was an alternative word for that. And they were like, and for too long, I... I loved the goddess Isis so much, but then to hear this negative connotation made me shrink away. Yeah, brutal. Feel right. And so, you know, I I was happy to have done my job that day. But then it was after that that I removed myself from public with the fellowship of Isis and just went into practice completely in private now. People yeah. ask now and then, now that it's all kind of simmered down, oh, when are you gonna, you know, bring back the ICM? And I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. content with my Isaiah practice to myself at the moment. Well, amen. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a amazing story. Um, yeah. Really. Thanks for sharing all that. What a remarkable thing to hear and to hear about. Oh, just like, you know, cause I know this place so well, actually right now, right? Like 14 months there. Um, <laughs> uh, sometimes not leaving even the property for two months or six weeks or something. 
uh, at all. Um, and uh, I really do love it. Um, and I love what it stands for. And I love the goddess Isis. We are all children of this mother goddess who is literally the archetype that was used for Mary and, and Jesus from Isis and Horus or Hippocrates. I mean, this is the, you know, the Golden Dawn started with Temple of Isis Urania. There's even still a Temple Isis Urania. Uh, in LA, you know, we had, I was brought through Golden Dawn's Temple of Isis Mighty Mother and like Isis is just this huge thing. And to see that name get, get used that way is, was I think a punch in the gut for all of us. And it's, it's a, such a shame go to bat with the media because because they actually had the resources isis oasis and the fellowship voices did actually have lady olivia was the first pagan to present at the world council of churches and I this is, these are people who are like connected with very significant famous people who like you know like uh, at lady lorian's funeral george lucas showed up i know uh, yeah you know i know yeah so they, these people are where if anyone could have done it for the world it was them and it was actually on their shoulder and it's like to not fight for your own god what do you really stand for and it's a, i think what you experienced was the beginning of this uh this the fight was the the, the fight was gone they, they out of them and the wind was out of the sails and and what you saw was the beginning of that what i've experienced was a lot of the fallout and what has happened when the ship is not even trying to rig its sail anymore that's that's sad and heartbreaking to me you know when the fires you know and the vestal fires were going with strong people like lady olivia and lady lorian there was some sort of decorum and order that was maintained i know i know de tracy tried hard and i know that other people she's still tried very hard you know in that spirit the best she can but we it's a, but look, I always explain this too when I explain Isism. I'm like, look, there's always peaks and valleys. There's always light times and dark times. This is the nature of Isism. And right now we're just back in one of those little bits of dark moments. But it clears the clutter, so to say. And those of us who truly are devout and truly believe, we know who we are. We know what we have to do. And it's beautiful when we can all come together and be in numbers, but the true test is how to keep the light of ISIS going when it's just you by yourself in the woods, in the dark. And you just have to center yourself and, and just, just do it. No complaining, no crying, no whining, just do it. And then the next day we might be in numbers again. But that's, it's just all part of it. It's always been the history of it as well, too. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I love, I love Rudolf Steiner's image of the secret stream. And sometimes it's mm. flows above ground. Sometimes it's underground. Sometimes it's through a forest down a mountainside. It, it moves. We flow. That's a great it. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I share with you the, the creep, perhaps the creepiest magical prophetic experience I've had in my life? What's that? It's ties it's right tied into this and it's crazy and I've, I've said it brief sort of vaguely before but um so when i got first into the inner order of the golden dawn as you know there's most inner orders of the golden dawn are have spirit guides or third orders that that they interact with right you know any 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 magical group for that matter is going to be working with spirits and traditionally uh 
GD orders do the same. They have probably worked with different spirits, but who knows, it's spirits, so it's hard to categorize them, despite what the grimoires say, right? Right. Um, gods have many names. But um, there, was, uh, there was 20 years ago, before 9-11, uh, sort of a three prophecies given, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, it was, the, it was an example of the kind of thing that I thought was very silly and uh, manipulative and, and I didn't really believe it at the time, of course, because of what they were. And, but this is what they were. And it's so shocking now that it's one of these proof factors in magic, like, like certain astral travel experiences or other, other verified experiences where you're like, oh, okay, that really, I wasn't imagining I was there, there, because someone else in a dream saw me, I was there, I really did astral travel, and somehow someone else in their dream saw me exactly as I saw them. Okay, that's, that's hardcore, that's hardcore, right? Just like if someone gives you a prophecy from a tea leaves or a tarot or anything like that, you're gonna take it with a little salt usually, um, until it proves to be true. And then you're like, holy shit, that's crazy. So the, the two ones that were given 20 years ago were one, that the name of our temple's goddess would be associated, which was Temple of Isis uh, in LA, mm -hmm. would be associated globally with, with terror, death, and hatred. And when we were told that, we were thought, like, there was definitely the sense, you can't, you can't be a human and not be like, okay, is this some sort of like ploy? Is this being intentionally said? Or is this an authentic? Because it seems too crazy and outrageous to be an authentic transmission from the spirit world of a, pro of a legit prophecy, right? Right. But that, you know, as we know, yeah. And the second one, here's what's crazy. It's the two of them together. The second one was that even the name of our order, the Golden Dawn, would be associated with uh, fascism and, and tyranny. And, and they were given back to back and both those things came true but way a year many years later the golden dawn political party in greece which is famously a fascistic party that uses dietrich bonhoeffer's book as its entry book for new new members and uh you know the isis uh thing the the fact that both those two names it's it, it happened it literally happened but you know and Although it was unfortunate that we had to see such things in our time, we become part of the history timeline that proves itself to us. You know, it's so fascinating and easy and daydreamy to read a history book and especially pertaining to metaphysics and think, oh, that was such a cool time in history when we never take into account while wow, really, people really lived at that moment. And these could have been some scary times, upsetting times, frustrating times. And now we're living in one of those upheaval yeah. moments. These things are outlawed. You know, I really I hope the third prophecy does not come true. Let's put it that way. Because there was three and I really hope the third one doesn't come true. Are you allowed to say the third one or no? It's I think it's better not to because okay. Then you give you it know, credence. It's like, no, okay. you know, don't say it. we'll change it's the just, topic. No, you know, and well, also, it, it is who cares, right? It's just like they're bad. The first two were really bad. The third one's even worse. Let's all just pray. Let's just make it better tomorrow. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. Agree 100%. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the direction. You know, 
I have probably let it slip on the podcast before. I don't know, but we'll leave it. as <laughs> I just don't want to, I just don't like feeding into those things. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Or there's nut jobs out there. We got to remember actually how many people listen to us talk. And some, sometimes there's unstable people who are like, Oh, I, that's my calling to fulfill this thing that these people. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to get, yeah. Oh my God. That would be horrible. Well, lighten the, the pace in true Aquarius fashion. And I'll tell you, you're going to love my tarot card in my tarot deck for the empress because I've included Harpocrates. Oh, I will. Oh my God. See, I'm looking at it right now and people might not know, but this is what really spurred us to finally connect and do a podcast was your tarot deck is coming out and it's called Osset Gypsy Tarot. And the art is awesome. I love the art. The fact that you put Harpocrates in it is just shows your, your true Icean priest wisdom. <laughs> We're both priests of the same religion, actually, you and well, I. I'll, That's cool. I'll um, share some secrets with you here. Now, and it's a just, biographical, autobiographical tarot deck. That's the what I got to get out there for people to know. It's an autobiographical that, yeah. magical tarot deck, which in itself seems to be an act of magic in its creation. So, yeah, let it rip. There was no way for me to not do that. Let me, let me give some backstory to this deck because, you know, you can get really wrapped up in, you know, the 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 production side of it and there's a lot of deadlines and there's a lot of things i got to get done it's all very exciting I, I do live for that i do love it but then sometimes the the metaphysical takes back seat for a little while because when you're in the present getting this out to the public and dealing with the publishing company there's a lot of there's there's a lot of legwork that has to happen and it can't be ignored but you're giving me an opportunity to talk about this deck from a different point of view that i'm really excited to do so with the deck, yes, it is autobiographical because when, or biographical, however you say it. Yeah. I'm just excited now. Yeah, what happened good. was uh -huh. contemporaries of mine kept saying, James, when are you going to write your tarot book? You are either our teacher or you've been doing this so long. We need a book from you. And I would always tease them and say, what am I going to write a book for? You guys have written everything already. I'll just be plagiarizing. There's nothing left to write. And besides, yeah. my book. My life is more of a comic book than it is an actual book. So I don't know what I would write about. But it was in those moments where I'd make those jokes that it hit me like like the muse. I could hear their singing. I needed to create a tarot deck, not another tarot book. That was going, the tarot is the book to tell my story because I've been doing this so long. There's no other book to put into writing to tell it. I've, I've, lived the fool through the world hundreds of times already in this life and other ones. So I did create a tarot deck decades ago when I was younger and more robust and rebellious. And, you know, I hate to use Hollywood religion, but to, to make this a little entertaining and make people laugh, I'll say every true tarot card reader at one point has to create their own deck, whether they publish it or not, whether they use it or not, they still have to create it because it's like a Jedi Knight making their lightsaber, right? You gotta do it. I dig it. So saying that humorously, of course. Yeah, it, we don't actually I, need everyone out there to go self make their own tarot decks, please world, don't, don't. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But here's the thing though, talking about the Golden Dawn, they had to create their own tarot decks until the Rider Waite Smith yeah. deck came out and they 
they were a product of their environment making things move along a little bit faster. The industrial revolution. Why don't we just make one deck for everybody? It'll catch everybody up. Not everyone's such a good artist. So they created that. So I created this deck decades ago and I did it in watercolor pen and ink on uh, index cards and they came out beautiful. And I just made it my own story. This was how I was gonna really, really understand and unlock the secrets of the symbolism and the power behind the tarot besides just fortune telling. I mean, like really go deep into it. So at one point I even made a few copies and I sold a few decks. I don't know whatever happened to them. And, you know, I still have the original one in a, in a little velvet bag in a box hidden somewhere. But I had to pull them back out because push came to shove a year or two ago. And my tarot contemporary friends did say, James, we want to introduce you to uh, an agent at a publishing company. We think it's time you do something. We want to at least just set up a meeting for you. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And I sold the idea of this deck before they even saw an illustration of it. They were like, yes, we want this. Let's get contracts drawn up. And I was like, I can't even believe that this is happening, but this is the right moment then. So I had to go find an artist because this was gonna be a little bit more of a commercial endeavor. At this stage in my life, at this stage in my career, at this stage in my metaphysical development, I, I needed to be smart. So I decided to take my original designs, but just have a contemporary artist illustrate my original work. So I was lucky enough to come into contact with two artists. The one artist who made the major arcana, her name is Rebecca Stotzenberg. And she's young and she's into anime and she's into Disney. And she just had this unique style that was all her own. So it wasn't just blatant anime, it wasn't just blatant Disney. It was romantic, it was perfect, mm. I loved it. And the other artist who contributed and helped with the minor arcana, her name is Heather Scott. She's a mutual friend of uh, a friend of mine that I, her nickname to me that I know her is Celeste, but her real name is Stephanie. She went on to become a comic book artist and she's got a couple of successful comic book artists out, uh, successful comic books out there. And I originally wanted Celeste to do my deck because she was a tarot card reader with me back at Universal Studios back in the day. She's oh. part of my history. And she wanted to do the project, but she was so close to the end of the comic book she was working on with her partners, she couldn't do it. So Rebecca or Becca and Heather, they ended up being my artists, but I had to work with them like almost, this was a very hard line to walk and oh. you'll understand it as the story plays out. Being an artist myself, I never want to limit another artist's abilities or imagination. Mm -hmm. However, However. This, neither one of them were tarot card readers, nor were they ever interested in tarot until the project was introduced to them. So I had to really work with them very closely to make sure nothing was lost in translation but to make sure that their beautiful style was an overlay of my exact original designs. I just liked their style. I, I thought it would speak to a larger audience. 
Yeah. If I illustrated the deck, it would look very old fashioned, very romantic. It would only speak to one demographic of card reader. But I wanted this deck to go everywhere. I, I wanted posters. I wanted talk about pop culture. I wanted it everywhere. So Let's get it in Sabrina. Exactly. I'll, I'll pass it off to my friends who work on the show, bro. Do it. Send it yeah. over to them. I'll, I'll get you free copies, as many as you want. So I've been staring at, can I just say uh, for the yeah. people like that, they should need to look at this now. Um, and it's on AussetGypsy.com. We want to make sure we say this a few times in the podcast, right, for people. Um, and uh, is it Schiffer Books where they sell it? Schiffer, it's Schiffer Books. It's derivative, which is um, Red Feather. But yeah, it's SchifferPublishing.com. And you it's only $24.99 pre-sales out now, and it's released in April? It is released April 28th, yeah. And I'm stare I've been staring this whole conversation at the magician, the world, and the fool that are on the site and uh, <laughs> sort of, you know, describing them as you talked and told your story and they're just i really i really do like them a lot um yeah i think you it really shows that there's multiple creative minds in them it, you can almost tell that the designer isn't the artist so there's a fusion of artist execution and designer power you know, aesthetic depth and that really comes across in in the composition so yeah <laughs> And I'm glad you noticed that. That does mean the world to me. You I can never tell that the guys, who, whoever drew it, executed it, didn't design it. You can you can just feel it, and it's not right. a there's an, and it compounds the value because it's like extra layers of semiotic meaning. There there are, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Because one, I'm such a tarot traditionalist. I wanted to stick with my diehard traditionalism. But then being an Aquarius, I needed to create something for the future. And then being an artist, I wanted to capture something of the moment now so that tarot card readers in the future could look back on this deck and just have a touch of the early 21st century. Kind of like what we do with the Rider Waite or the Marseille deck and Rider Waite Smith, Rider Waite Smith. Uh, and the Marseille deck, it's almost like touching the late 1800s or the 1400s again, and or the 1700s, depending on what deck it is. And I, I just wanted to lend, I, I wanted to contribute something important to the tapestry of the tarot history. And I didn't want it to just be generic. I didn't want it to just be another novelty deck of the Rider Waite Smith deck, because I didn't grow up using tarot cards. We, I grew up using old fashioned Italian playing cards. And my first deck that I still have to this day and carry with me everywhere is the Cagliostro deck. And the reason I chose that deck oh, wow. was because it looked so similar to the old fashioned Italian playing cards. I understood them. And it's what got me my first big break and introduction to the world when I got hired at Islands of Adventure at Universal Studios in Orlando when they opened up that theme park in 1999 and took a chance putting fortune tellers in a psychic venue back into a major entertainment destination, worldwide destination, after Walt Disney had outlawed fortune telling with the advent of Disneyland back in the early 50s. Oh, wow. That's so it, I didn't know that. Well, no, most people don't. <laughs> and so it was a deal because it was that moment that thrust me into the public eye 
not only just with crowds of people nonstop every single day, but it also put me in radio, TV, print, magazines. I was on TV shows because the, the, the theme park opening was such a big deal that they were promoting it and advertising it everywhere. And they needed spokespeople from each portion. So the fortune telling venue, the psychic venue, Mystics of the Seven Veils, it was a big deal because we weren't just hired by Universal Studios to pretend to be fortune tellers. We were third party vendors and we had to go through a big screening process to get the job so that we were authentic. It was just a fantastic moment in, in time. And the people I met and the friends I made, the camaraderie, the, the brother and sisterhood is, is just binding and unbreakable. I'm still friends with so many of those people. And they live everywhere now, New Orleans, New Mexico, Florida, California. Um, everybody lives everywhere. But we were so lucky to be a part of that for so many years. And, you know, there's a there's still a venue of sorts there, but it's a ghost of what we had at one time. Our costumes were illustrious and beautiful. So many of the concept is put into the Osset Gypsy Tarot deck. That's where it becomes an autobiography because I wanted to include in this story everything. My, my history with Isism, my, my love and devotion to Isis. I mean, Osset is the reason that I even have this name is because of a manager, my manager, Faria. She was a good friend of mine at Islands of Adventure. We had to start wearing name tags. And I felt my name, James, was so plain. I'm like, oh, all of you have interesting names. Like, your name is really Faria. Like, that's beautiful. <laughs> and they're going to think I'm the guy that sweeps up. You know, I was 22 years old. I was young. And, you know, yeah. when you're a reader, you're always competing with the women because they all want Esmeralda. They think that only <laughs> girls can part. And, you know, who doesn't love Esmeralda? I love Esmeralda. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, I had to really prove myself uh, over and beyond oh, all the time. Like even getting the gig at Universal Studios, I really had to prove myself to my boss, Kane Gold at the time. She didn't want to hire me because I was young and a guy. She didn't think I'd be appealing. <laughs> so I was like, all right, <laughs> but I was. And once I got myself into those costumes, she realized how appealing I looked and she pimped my ass out there every day <laughs> yeah she did pimp. welcome um, to hollywood son right exactly <laughs> uh, hold on one time. second okay um hold on yeah. we're back from a quick little break we're gonna wrap up with a bit more do you remember where you were at yeah of course i was telling the story about a how to be a guy and make your way through uh being a terror reader <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Can I, can I, maybe I'll just, uh, the, the, before we have to go, um, we'll use the rest of the time for you to talk, but uh, let me give you my take on these three cards because it's really, I think something that people would be interested to know is um, often when you have a, a new interpretation of any cards, mm -hmm. there's the risk of sort of betraying the meaning of that card, especially with things like the trumps, I think. Right. Um, but what's interesting is, you have successfully, I think, instead rendered uh, an, uh, a, an emphasized interpretation within the meaning of each of these cards. Now, I'm not sure what the 
for example, the fool has the Aquarius and the Gemini symbol on that. I'm not sure if that has to do with your chart or what the reason is behind that. But before you answer, like, so when I look at the fool card, I still see the fool card. Like I could read this card in a spread and interpret it as the fool. It's got the dog, it's got the sack of coins, it's got the, 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 the satchel over the shoulder. But what's different is just an interpretation within that card. So the you, you are the fool here, you are sort of not stepping forward off a cliff or not seeing where you're going. You're not grasping an apple from the tree. You are holding your hand up to shield your eyes from the sun and looking where you're going while sort of maybe stepping off a cliff down below. It's, I think that might be what's happening, but that's interesting to me because it's like, okay, so I could interpret this card as the perspective within the fool card that's, that's, that's seeking the path. You know, it's a, it's a nuance within that card. You can interpret the card that way. So you're showing biographically, autobiographically, uh, a certain interpretation within the card. For example, the world, you still have a lot of the classic symbolism of the world card. You have the Caribbean characters, the four elemental figures, and, you're, and you have the, the, the wreaths, the laurel wreaths, and yourself standing within it. And the, the universe card often is this sign of completion and fullness and uh, totality, accomplishment. But you are within instead of the goddess within the center you are within the center so it's almost like the universe or the world in this case the world card is showing you accomplishing that that totality it's placing the person himself within that card and i really like that sort of sense of becoming like ha having had achieved within the card and lastly the magician i really love magician because you got the palm reading sign up you're you've got coins and cards floating into the air a sword levitating sort of and it, it really speaks to me of the version of the magician interpretation in which this the control or power of the elements mastery of the elements mastery of your life and success and and, and accomplishment is is achieved by using every trick you have in your bag it's sort of tell it that's the version of the magician i get from it it's like look use all your tricks use every tool you have use your whole being to to gain this mastery and and accomplishment or control of your life and uh you know I, I really like that it's just that's that the interpretation just jumps right out of form it's like brother you've got to you got to use everything don't don't just focus on a few things in life you want to you want to you want to do it use every trick you got so and you you know what you are one of the first people outside of a very tight-knit group of people to have seen the cards and to have reinterpreted them back to me from a metaphysical point of view and i i loved everything that you said it made it made me feel like the world card mission accomplished that's yeah. what you know any artist fears is people are going to look at and be like they're all right they're okay next <laughs> you know, nobody wants to ever hear that but no you saw the the layers now here i'll give you some sneak peeks into it if you look at the full card again mm -hmm. and if you really look in the background you're getting a complete uh foreshadowing of the whole rest of the deck oh no way because yeah you yeah. see sort of like a uh a, 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 a big a, t a building a structure on top of a big stone that sort of looks like a skull and there might be mm -hmm. some, some something on fire coming out of a lower part of it it reminds me a little bit of that the cave where captain hook gets eaten by the crocodile or whatever right, right. um so just be that vibe but tell me more well that's uh, you know 
the the fool card and the world card you know they're the they're the the link in the circle they're they're not point a and point b they're they're that link in the circle and they tell the whole story really right there so when you look at the fool card in my deck when you look at the world card you're you're seeing the whole entire adventure of the story mm. now of course I don't want it to seem totally ego-driven and pompous of me to have put myself in my deck and now you're going to pretend you're me. It's not that at all. I just... But that's what I'm doing there, and that's why I like it. Wiggle, <laughs> I can see myself a, in the character. Everybody to see themselves go yeah. on this adventure through the tarot in this beautiful, illustrated, robust, colored, romantic retelling of, of the tarot. I mean, the tarot is already romantic and robust, you know, and I didn't want to stray away from that, that romanticism. Yeah. The full card, you're right. I personalize things a little bit. The dog is there. It's a pug. I love pugs. <laughs> and I've had an imaginary pug named Mr. Bojangles for years. And so I wanted to put him into the tarot deck. He's, he's going to be the little... Jiminy Cricket and Voice of Reason. He's in a couple of the cards, actually. And when you look at the Fool card, you're really foreshadowing everything in life. You're looking at everything. Because isn't that how life works? Mm -hmm. That, you know, vision is in hindsight 2020 or however that phrase goes, yeah. that you don't realize the whole story was right in front of you at the moment because you're too wrapped up in it. And in that full card, you have the sun, you have the moon. Uh, if you look really closely, you can see the tail of a mermaid coming up out of a pool because that's going to be temperance. Eventually, when people meet temperance, she's a beautiful mermaid in this deck. Um, there is the skull represents death there's the temple on top of the skull because eventually you're going to meet the hierophant mm. and uh there's the carnival the carnival of life that also reminiscent of the little carnival that i worked in in my you know early youth with tarot card reading um there's there's a lot of foreshadowing just in that one card mm. so when people become even more comfortable and really familiarize themselves and become friends with the Offset Gypsy Tarot deck, I, it's really gonna talk. But you know what taught me that? The Toth deck, mm. Alistair Crowley's deck, because- The masterpiece. That, it, well, I, when I teach tarot and when I give real quick demonstrations here at the shop, when people are confused about what tarot decks to buy, I give them the quick history by pulling the tarot decks off the shelf and showing them. and. I love pointing out that the Rider-Waite-Smith deck and the Crowley deck, they, they're amazing because of their points in history where Pamela Cole Smith was staying so traditional to Edwardian illustration and maintaining that balance in that deck, which becomes to the future, our classic tarot deck that all mm. novelty decks are built on. And then, of course, leave it to Crowley to find Frida Harris to create this deck of watercolors, abstraction, mm -hmm. and start going into the new eon, which he's always talking about, going into the new era, breaking away from traditional 
you know, solid colors and solid lines and geometry and art and all that. He goes into this wild acid trip of spiritual, like you can't even make out what some of these, the, these images are. They talk to the spirit, they talk to the psyche before they talk to the eye or the mind. You know, um, if you're too over analytical, the top deck can drive somebody mad. And I found that when I used to read with that deck, one to three cards was all I needed because there were so many stories going on at once in just one card. Whoa. I couldn't use I couldn't use all those cards in a spread. I just couldn't do it. I could never do it. It it was too overwhelming for me. It was it it, it was a lot of storytelling at once. I loved it though. I absolutely loved it. And I wanted to bring that feel into my deck as well, too, where one card, pull one card and really meditate on it. You're going to see everything you need in just one card. But then it. if you also want to be able to do a spread or set it up like a temple or set them up, use the decks as metaphysical tools. Because if you move over to the magician, you're right. He has the sword floating in the air. He's got the coins floating in the air. He's got the he's holding the, the wand in his arm the cup is up in the air he's showing you all the elements that are coming in the minor arcana cards so the sword the cup the coins and the wand that you see in the magician card are the same are the are what the minor arcana cards look like interesting yeah i look forward to seeing them all of course Very so you cool. can see them and then with the emperor card i don't I know he's floating around out there. I, I put him up once or twice. I don't know if you've seen him, but I I was teasing the the illustrator, Becca, who's way much younger than I am. And I was saying, look, here's my image of the emperor. It's pretty much my image of going to heaven. I'm like, if I go to heaven and God doesn't look like Sir Lawrence Olivier sitting on the throne <laughs> like Clash of the Titans, send me to hell. And she got very upset that she didn't know what I meant. <laughs> So I had to show her illustrations of scenes from Clash of the Titans from 1980 and uh, Lawrence Olivier Zeus that left an impression on me as a kid. Like, that's what I think God should look like. And, um, but I wanted the Emperor card to be Serapis or Jupiter Amun. And that was the way I fashioned him in there. So he's, you know, he looks very Sir Lawrence Olivier with ram horns. It's a very, very beautiful card. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I think you've just successfully demonstrated in the cards themselves how tarot reading works because the cards themselves are like a heuristic demonstration of the process of reading, which is to fuse traditional symbolism and meaning with the horizon of personal context and interpretation and understanding so that you achieve insight and I, the cards do that in their own creation and therefore teach us how to read cards by even just staring at them and, and studying that fusion of horizons it's amazing i think you've done a great job well thank you thank you i can't wait for you to see the full deck um there there there's a story in itself and the deck does come with a I think it's a hundred or 101 page little book. Wow. It's not, it's not one of those flim flam little pamphlets that come with 
tarot decks. And it's not a full-on book that comes with a book tarot set. It's something in the middle. It is a little book. And I wanted to make it reminiscent of old fortune-telling books from like the 20s and 30s. So some of the definite, I stay true to the definitions of traditional definitions. And I talk about the sim symbolism in the cards, you know, the universal symbolisms. And then I give the point of view from the Osset Gypsy Tarot story. So it really becomes a story. And, mm. but it does tell the story of the tarot. And it just has my own personal elements put into it. After doing this for so many years, there was no way that I could just make some generic tarot deck just to stamp my logo on it and say, I have a tarot deck. Yeah. I had to personalize it. I had to take everybody with me on, on my adventure. And, you know, I, I really hope everyone loves it and sees in it what you were able to see just in the few illustrations of the cards you saw. I'm, I'm flattered and honored. Thank you very much. Man, I'm, I'm really glad we found time to talk and, and uh, like folks go get the deck. It's only $24.99 and you can get ossetgypsy.com through Schiffer Books and you'll find it. You all, if you're listening to this, you know how the internet works. Go find it, go order it. It's, it's quite a, yeah, it's great inspiration too for, to show people if they do want to actually produce their own tarot deck and not just imagine one for themselves. Like this is a really good example of how to do an, uh, your own deck without abandoning traditional symbolism but using it in a way that is personal but still inclusive of whoever might use it for a reading well and using it for readings for fortune telling for other people using it yeah. as a meditative tool for yourself the thing that was important for me in all of this was maintaining the metaphysical laws in it but that's why i needed to bring in the additional artists, because you being an artist and a tarot card reader, other metaphysicians out there, we know that we can get lost in the absolute technical sometimes. And I will put out in the future a very serious, very technical, metaphysically driven tarot deck, which is ju really just, it is what it is when you see it. This deck, the help of the colors, the style of it helps keep it contemporary, but it's, I want it to almost even be slightly deceptive. I want people to look at it at first and go, what is this? And then look at it and go, what is yeah, this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what happened to me, man. That's what happened to me. My Aquarian brother, I think you've done a, yeah, well done, man. Like really well done. And, and like, you know, it's so cool to be talking with you. It's the day after your birthday, just a few days before mine. Like Aquarians unite, man. It's, it's our age. Yeah. Fuck the age We're of Horus. Right. It's the age of Aquarius, baby. We're going to take over this ship. Right. Wait till you see the fashion sense coming next, everybody. Just wait. Sunny Bono <laughs> on us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, this is kind of, look at it this way. The deck is coming out in the year that Saturn and Jupiter conjunct in Aquarius. And I mean, I know they had their grand conjunction at the end of 2020, but there's still going to be within Aquarius for 2021 as well. And 
it was time to offer something new. And this is a symbol and a sign of that conjunction in Aquarius that we will be seeing plenty more of. I'm sure we're going to see music change. We're going to see fashion change. We're going to see, hopefully we're going to see people change and become kinder again and shrug off some of this unnecessary heaviness that people carry around. Um, I, I am excited to be alive during this time. I, I quote my, my very, very talented director, photographer, friend in LA, Beauregard von Hoffman, by saying, I'm very happy to be alive during this time. He always says that, and I'm always impressed by that. And now I know what he feels like. But the deck, take your time with it, look through it, become friends with it, kind of put it on the other side of the room and be disgruntled with it. Use it for magic. There's a lot of magical purpose in this deck. It's not just all complete fun fanfare. Underneath the layer of, of pixie dust, and I'll be humor enough, humorous enough to say it and honest enough to say it, this deck can be used meditatively and very powerfully for magic. That is its goal. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Um, you have to go, don't you? I do have to hit the road. Yeah. I think, I think you, that's a beautiful place to end it with, with you, with your fabulous words there. And my Aquarian friend, you, you please do this again with me anytime you want. I would be happy to talk to you anytime about any subject matter. I'm pretty sure we could talk about just about anything and that would, that could be fun. We could pick some topics sometimes. Let me know yes. when you have some time. I'll make some more coffee and we'll kick back. We'll have an Aquarian hell of a good time. <laughs> Yes, 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 absolutely. That's it. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, James. Awesome gypsy people. My hmm? Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, I, I know people are gonna gonna say you didn't address the elephant in the room, and I'm like, you know why? Because we're uh we're Aquarians and we don't have time for those uh silly word games. <laughs> So, but to all you people who are thinking let's, that let's have that question in, in the room for everybody, it looks exactly like the elephant for Moulin Rouge. And there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Blessings of Isis be with you, brother. Amma is set, and I look forward to seeing many more of your adventures. And I can't wait till we talk again. Thanks I hope for having we me. Share on. an adventure one day. Yeah, absolutely. I'll Gypsy come out your style. way. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right man what a pleasure folks go uh go over to this tarot deck yeah peace bro ciao all right ciao <laughs> ciao bello <laughs> hermetic science enterprises is a publishing company based in scotland uk that specializes in western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos with various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit 
www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. Hermetic Science Enterprises.co.uk